This is the Acting Up Podcast with your host, Allie Goodman. Hey, friends. So I'm back to talk about this next session that I had of uh, ketamine. And I'm going to sort of set up with a trigger warning because this is going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a rough one. I don't know if it's going to be rough for you, but it was rough for me. So uh, be aware that we might be talking about some pretty intense things here today. Okay, so when I went in, uh, everything was as we had assumed it would be. It was, we split the dose. So they put me uh, in 30 to begin with, and then I was going to get another 30 sort of as a booster, I guess, about 10 minutes in. And they did the same thing. They did that, that they did the very first session, and they actually asked me, do you want to go deeper? And I said, yes. So I knew that was coming, and I knew that was going to happen. Uh, so that was not a surprise of any kind. Prior to going under, we, you know, I usually sit and talk with the therapist for a few minutes just to kind of like get my bearings. And we, we, you know, we're waiting for the Zofran to kind of take its toll, which is helpful. But I I remember we were sitting there and she was asking, you know, how am I doing? And I said, you know, I've really been trying to embrace this idea of speaking my feelings as I'm having them I'm very new to it clearly so it was uh it was it was not like I've been proficient at it even though I wanted to be of course seven steps ahead just like I always want to be but as we talked I began to realize that I, I got a little quiet and she said are you okay and I said yeah and I just realized something I I've been living my whole life doing this survival thing and I've never really sort of thanked my brain for keeping me safe because we were talking about the dosing and how maybe it was because I get drunk really easily and maybe that's the same pathway that this takes or maybe not or maybe it was that my brain knew that the music was there. Maybe it didn't or maybe it was that I was shying away from something that was scary that I didn't want to see and if and or a combination of all of those things any any amount of that could have been what it is and I said I I haven't really like appreciated my mind for what it's done for me for so long and I talked about how I I felt like you have been fighting with my brain rather than trying to have a, a good relationship and realize that it's actually been there helping me not hurting me even though it, it's frustrating because I, I don't always know how to get to the right spots with it and we're not always on the same page. But uh, I decided to go into this session today by like thanking it, thanking my brain for keeping me safe and doing its job, if you will, and you know, letting it know that I'm here and it doesn't have to do all the work. You know, we're going to find other ways to make it better so I kind of went in like in a in a much more positive uh I was slightly anxious I spoke that out loud and said I was feeling a little anxious because there is a like you have a memory of what it's like to do this and even though it's not unpleasant there's still this like 
there's still unknowing and it's it's uncertainty and that's fearful sometimes for me it is at least not everybody but for me for sure and but I I spoke it out loud and I actually felt better and I felt okay and I was like "Hmm, okay I'm feeling pretty good and then we went in and I didn't I'll be honest like once again I didn't really grasp anything I didn't hold on to anything specific while I was in I, I remember a few things but nothing of significance and nothing that really um, I think I saw some colors. I, I definitely remember like some yellows and light blues. And that there honestly, like I, I had these moments where I felt like my head was turning and I could feel that. And I, I definitely heard when they came in and wanted to give me the second booster. And I said, yes, and all of that, like I was aware of all of that. But what, what really was significant was as I was ascending out of it it usually feels like I'm going up so as I was coming up and coming out of it I had one flash of not a memory but a an image and it was a silhouette of the man who abused me when I was when I was a little girl and is I don't know how much I've mentioned it in the last one but he was the boyfriend of the housekeeper who stayed with us so he was around and he was there and he didn't I think I talked about this he didn't speak English and he spoke Spanish but what I really saw in this image was almost a silhouette but it was like a photo negative so here's this man with big bushy hair and a big mustache and his dark eyes and I'm seeing his his silhouette in this image and it's it's not moving it's not it's not scaring me necessarily it's just like this is always there and as I came out I was trying to describe that that feeling of it's just always there and I started crying and I I realized that it's because this image it lives with me it lives just beneath the surface but I don't acknowledge it because it's scary it takes me back to a place that I don't really want to think about and is traumatic hello and it's not it's static right it's it's not it's not doing anything it's just there it's just this image this person that terrorized me or traumatized me or both as a kid and there's nothing I can do about that because that's just history right and as I was talking about this I started to cry harder this is when I was coming out and I was talking to the therapist and I was I mean bawling and I said I just realized that I have been dealing with this trigger in my household for a long time and I explained that all through this COVID uh, experience John has been growing his hair long just for fun like not because of anything he shaved it and then he just sort of let it grow and in the process we've kind of been laughing because his the way his hair is growing it kind of looks like like mid-century like composer hair and so he's been taking these photos and it's just been really funny but about maybe five or six months ago I saw that the color of his hair and the shape of the hair is how it, it was growing out was reminding me of my uncle and I quickly 
like shut that down. I'm like, nope, I'm not feeling that. That's not what it is. That's ridiculous. The cognizant like brain part of me was like, that's so dumb. Like, why are you feeling triggered by this is the person who loves you and he's very good to you and he is never going to hurt you. And like, why, like, why would you even go there? Like, why would you even let that even come into your brain like they're not the same the hair's not the same let it go and I was having to do that on sort of a regular basis but it was happening uh, in a split second sometimes to the point where I didn't even realize that's what was going on I did not realize how much I'd been being triggered by this and I only realized it as I was coming out of this session and that the silhouette of my husband was now reminding me of my uncle and it was freaking me out so I I got really angry and I really want to talk about anger because it's it's such an emotion that I don't allow myself to feel I used to I used to say that I thanked the shows where I got to get angry, like the plays that I was in where I got to get angry because it allowed me to be the most myself because <laughs> I can't do it in real life. Like you can't, I mean, you'll lose a job if you yell at your boss or whatever, you know? So it's like, ooh, this is the time when I get to be the most me and I get to get up there and say and, you know, feel the things that I don't get to feel in, you know, real life or in polite society or whatever. The anger was so visceral and I realized that I was turning it on myself. And this is important because I was so angry at myself for not being strong enough to fight off a trigger that I cognizantly know is ridiculous. I know this is ridiculous. I'm not a child. I'm not. There's no reason for that to be happening. There's no reason, like no logical reason. I should be able to overcome that. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with my, how broken am I that I can't even overcome? Something as simple as this is this person's hair. Like, why is that? That doesn't even make sense to me. And yet here I am being triggered by it. And clearly I hadn't told this to John because I was barely acknowledging it myself. So I'm, I'm crying and I'm like so mad at myself for being so weak and not being able to get past this. And it it occurred to me that I was going to have to make a decision. I mean, I had been making a decision every every day since I noticed this the similarity. And I was now I was really going to have to make a decision about whether or not I was going to bring it up to him. And the thing is, and here's the thing about John, and I love him so much and he is so good to me. If he had any clue that he was causing me discomfort or pain or triggering me in any way because of his hair, he would have, he'd shave it off, cut it off immediately. Like he wouldn't even think twice about it. And I know that about him. And that made me even angrier because I thought you shouldn't have to change yourself to make me feel comfortable. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, what is wrong with me? I, I don't know. I don't know why. Why, right? So I'm struggling with this with her and I'm crying and I'm, you know, so frustrated. And 
she's like, what is, where, where, where is this, like, what's beneath all this? Like, what's happening with you? And I said, I think I'm just angry. I'm angry. I'm angry at everyone. I'm angry at everyone who didn't, didn't respond the way I think they should have. And with my uncle, the, you know, everybody's still, he's invited to things and he's part of the family and it's like nobody has a nobody cares like not that they don't care it's not it's not fair but like if there there were all of these things that I had to endure I had to endure him coming to my wedding I didn't want him there I was real clear about that and I got screamed at by my parents specifically my dad that there's no way that we're not having my uncle at this wedding and so he was there and then when my son uh, Jackson had his bris which is like eight days after they're born in the Jewish tradition if you have you have like a, a celebration and that's where they you know snip snip the penis and you know it's a circumcision but it's done as sort of a it's done as a ritual and lots of times it's a you don't have to do it this way but a lot of times there's like a party and people come and it's, it's a thing. And he happened to be in town and my dad said he's coming and I don't want to hear anything else about it. And I didn't have a say in like my comfort in the life, in my life, in my family. I didn't, I was like shut down, you know. I've had to figure out how to compartmentalize my anger and my pain about this because it's like I'm I don't want to spend the rest of my life or my or my parents life being mad at them like that doesn't serve anybody it doesn't serve me it doesn't serve them like I have a lot of trauma from this and the fact that in my opinion they made a choice and the choice was not me the choice was him there's debates all around the room about that and that's fine and I, I don't need to debate it I just know that in the end, I was not chosen as the number one person in this situation. And it became, again, a place where I had to grow up, and I say that in, in scare quotes, as well as take responsibility or, again, scare quotes, and, and be the bigger person and be the one that can just endure and do everything that I had been doing since I was little my whole life was about taking care of everyone else's discomfort because I could handle it. And everybody just assumed Allie can handle it. Allie can handle it. Allie's got it. She's got it. I don't got it. Friends, people, whoever's listening. I don't got it. I don't got it. So so I sat there in bawling and crying and telling her, you know, how I was feeling this this sense of anger and the fact that I felt weak because I couldn't be strong enough for like my own brain can't get around this trigger which again I think is ridiculous but is what's happening so what do we do and I was explaining that it stemmed from I, I guess a place of feeling like not important enough or not not worthy enough or not like, I don't matter enough. And the sad part is that if you write it down on paper and, and you see the story of what happened, you would say, 
that's exactly what it looks like. I mean, I don't, I have a hard time even saying that out loud because it's hard for me to believe it. I don't believe it really, but I, I, I think if you just read the story, you would, you would see why. And, and that, and that's hard for me because that, that, that puts blame on my family and that puts blame on my parents, that puts blame on the people that didn't act as adults or care for me when I really needed it. Immediately, I had this memory where I was really young, maybe like four, maybe five. And this was like when nobody had car seats and it didn't matter when you were that, you know, what age. And I curled up in the back of the car, like on the floor of the back seat of the car and fell asleep. And I kind of heard us roll into the garage and I kind of heard my mom say my name, but I was still like kind of groggy and out of it. And they left and they went inside and they left me out there. And I kept thinking, someone's going to come out and check on me. But no one came out and checked on me. Nobody came back for me. And at some point I finally had to get up and wake myself up and get up and go in the house and when I got there it was like oh you're back like no big deal and I was thinking about that and I was thinking about like if one of my kids fell asleep in the car like like I wouldn't leave them in the car I don't know why that hurts so much to think about this idea that like you left this little girl alone in the car I mean, yeah, we were in the garage. I guess you thought it was safe. I mean, I guess it wasn't too hot out, whatever. But, like, you just went inside and went in with your business. Like, I, I couldn't I couldn't even fathom doing that with my kids. Like, not a chance. Mind-blown kind of moment. And then, and then I remember being even younger and getting lost in the supermarket. Um, I was with my mom. I remember exactly what she was wearing. I remember the sweatshirt she was wearing. I remember what her hair looked like. And somehow we got separated and I was panicked. I remember feeling that panic of being lost. And this person who worked there said, you know, are you okay? And I said, I don't know where my mom is. And he said, well, let's go find her. And he picked me up and put me on his shoulders so that we could go find her. And when I saw her walk towards me, she had this big, smile on her face and she was walking very casually like no big deal like oh there you are did you get lost okay mm, stay with me next time like okay like no big deal very casual like not a thing and I'm thinking to myself if my, if my like three-year-old or four-year-old I would be panicked like a panicked parent now granted maybe Maybe she was like, I don't want to show my kid that I'm panicked. And maybe she was nervous or maybe she was afraid. I don't know. All I know is that it was very much like almost like me, almost like I I, I might have embarrassed her. You know, like that would have been the worst part is that she was embarrassed that somebody had to help me and that I, I disappeared from her. And again, I, I'm, I'm not trying to ascribe her, her motives or anything. This is just how I felt. And I began to realize that like, all the time that I would I took on with the abuse and everything is like I have to hold on to it I have to be the one was because I just felt like I I was supposed to take care of myself like it this wasn't for anybody else like they're not I can't put this on them 
And I think that's just this lesson that I learned from really early on. So when this really gross thing happened with my uncle, which essentially was pretty traumatic for me, and clearly it wasn't for him, but um, we were waiting for some appliances to show up to my apartment. And we were just sitting there and I don't know, you know, you just know, you just kind of get that feeling that somebody's got that wrong energy. And, and this actual event, I mean, if I, when I looked back, I, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, And I should have known that there were these moments where he was, he was setting the stage for this kind of a situation. He, he would hug me a little too long or he would put his arms around me and rub my arm but also very gently be caressing my side breast like but yet not so overt that I would even I had to question it like is that actually happening no Allie come on that's your uncle he would never do that to you conversations we never should have had conversations about his cheating conversations about his sexual fantasies things I should not know have known about things that we should never have talked about so this day when we're in my apartment and we're waiting for the appliances to show up uh he what we were on my bed he was sitting back I was laying on my belly and had my feet up because there was nowhere else to sit because all of the furniture had been moved and so literally we were just like biding our time waiting and like I was, I had my head at, towards the foot of the bed and he was laying back like against the back, of, like the regular head of the bed. So like we weren't close in any way, shape or form and it wasn't like intimate in any way. But he kind of, I had my feet up, like on my belly with my, with like my, my feet up and he kind of like started rubbing my, my ankle and my shin and, and my calf. And I was like, oh, that's awkward. And I immediately sat up and I pretended my phone was ringing. My, my cell phone was ringing and I pretended to take a phone call from my boyfriend. Like praying that these appliance dudes would say that they were coming and going to be there soon. And while I was on my fake phone call, uh, he got the call that they were coming. And it's probably weird. Like why was I there with my uncle? He and my parents own a bunch of apartments and together and I was living in one of those so he was part owner of this apartment so that's why so he had to be there if like there was going to be this you know these appliances coming whatever and my mom was out of town and so I was you know and and I wasn't living in that apartment at the moment because they were they were doing all this work in the apartment appliances coming in they were doing something with the carpeting and the walls and like there was just things being done in there and I was staying at my parents and funny enough he lives lived in the same building two floors up so we're at my apartment which was like like I don't like a quarter of a mile from where my parents live it was walking distance you know it was same area and waiting for these dudes to show up and when he got the phone call I I ended my fake fake phone call and I said oh good they're here and like and I jumped up and I ran into the like I literally bolted into the main room and opened the door to the hallway because it was an you know an apartment and put the door stop so that like the door is open people could walk by anytime and I'm thinking okay okay we're, it's safe now because these dudes are coming like they know they're coming up 
like we're gonna there's people coming it's gonna be fine but apparently that wasn't enough and he came out very very casually very jauntily and he got real close to me and he said Allie I, I just I need to um when these guys leave I need to come and it like took me a second and I was like oh my god my uncle just told me he wants to masturbate and he wants to use my apartment to do it yeah sure by all means you know you can yeah I'm like absolutely I mean I, what, what do you say I was like sure yeah I just you know use use whatever you need you know I'll as soon as they're done I'll go and and you can have all the space you need I guess thinking like really like you can't wait to get home like what like I was so I was so rattled by it that I didn't really know how to respond and I and I'm still in this denial that like nothing's happening Allie you're making too much of this you have too much of a history of trauma you think this is happening it's not really happening and it's freaking happening people it's like happening and I'm like no it's not it's fine it's fine it's all fine and so I'm still in this like denial and he very calmly was like no no you don't understand I want you to stay and I I think like the bottom felt like it dropped out for me I felt like I felt all the blood rushing into my head and I could hear it in my ears and I somehow squeaked out the word no and I said, no, absolutely not. No, no, no. And he's like, come on. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, no, it is a big deal. And I, no. And he said, I, I won't even touch you. I just, I just want you here. And I was like, no, like absolutely no. And as I'm saying these words and as I'm trying to say no, and as I'm hearing him, he's like following me around the apartment because I'm trying to get away from him. He's like, I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. I just, you know, I do all these things for you. You know, I'm here with you. We bought you with these really nice appliances. We did all this stuff for you. And I mean, I'm not asking that much. And I'm like, I don't, I, I can't even believe you're asking me this. The answer is no. Please stop talking to me about this. It's not going to happen. And yet, honestly, I sat there thinking, like, if I say no to him, this is going to, I am going to blow up this family. Like, I couldn't say yes, but I knew saying no was going to cause a rift. I just knew it. It's like as much as I knew that if I, if I told about my housekeeper's boyfriend that she was going to leave us and she was going to go with him. And I was right. And I had that. I was 100% convinced that this was going to blow up and it was going to be my fault. I was going to get blamed. But I, that won out, thank God. I did not do anything and I wouldn't. But the blood is rushing in my head and it's filling my head. And I can't breathe, really. And the dudes show up and they bring the appliances in and... I don't know what to do at this point because I'm I'm trying to not blow up the family and I'm trying to like stay sane and I, I don't want to be around him but I don't know what to do and I'm like okay um I'm gonna go uh, uh you don't need a ride or anything do you like I literally offered the dude a ride like what the fuck is wrong with me right but I'm so flustered at this point and I don't know how to handle this because I, I mean now it's out like he is 
he has probably been harboring this for a long time and now he finally said it and I rejected him and what happens now? Like what happens now? So I went home and I freaked out. I called my friend who was working in the city, down in the South Loop and I, I literally drove down to her job and I made her talk to me and I just was a mess. And I said, I have, I, I'm supposed to go back to the apartment this evening and I don't want to go. And she's like, well, I'll go with you. She did, which was, thank God for Lisa because she kept me from losing it. But I, I just, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what to do. And I, I mean, I'm trying to like make small talk and I'm so uncomfortable. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there with him. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, ugh, I just was so grossed out by all of it. And I just I couldn't even believe that I was standing in a room with him and he had said this to me. My friend Karen convinced me that I needed to tell my dad. Like I said, my mom was out of town. She would have been the person I would have told, but I had to tell my dad and my dad's the last person I wanted to tell this to. But I did. And at first, I thought he was going to, like, do right by me because he said, well, you know, I said, I have to go back tomorrow, Dad, and I don't want to, I don't want to go. And he's like, well, I'll go with you. Now my dad, like, yeah, he was one of the owners, but silent owner. Like, he just, you know, never, it was my mom and my uncle that really, like, ran this business. So when he said he would come with me, I was, like, so grateful because I wasn't going to have to be by myself. And he he was my dad. He was like stepping up. He was being a dad. And uh, we did the thing and my uncle was really shocked to see him there. But then I said, I'm going home. And my dad said to my uncle, let's go have lunch. And so he's like, okay. And then my dad came home and I said, what happened? And he said, you know, I brought it up to him and he looked totally shocked that I knew and he was freaking out and, you know, apologizing or whatever and this, that and the other. And, and my dad said that he was, he was scared. And I said, and so what's the upshot of this? And he's like, well, he wants to apologize to you. And I, I looked at him and I was like, wait, what? He's like, he, he wants, he, he won't, he wants to come over and apologize to you. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how to tell you that that's not like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I mean, if he needs to apologize, that's fine. But I, I can't promise that I'm going to accept it. And he's like, you're not going to accept it. And I was like, no, I, I don't know. I, He's like, I think you need to come out and, and I think you need to come, I think you need to have it out with him. And I'm like, have it out with him? What are you talking about? So I, I, I did. I sat in the kitchen and he apologized for making me uncomfortable. And I said, I'm thinking back and this is not the only thing you've ever done. Are you aware of that? He's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, are you aware of all the times that you've been grooming me in this way? The, 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 the touches, the way you've hugged me, the way you've touched me. Do you, do you recognize that that's been like going on? The way you talk to me about sex. Do you understand how inappropriate it's been? And he's like, well, I'm sorry for all that. And then he had the audacity to ask me not to tell my mom. And thank God my dad actually backed me up on this. He was like, well, I don't think we can, you know not tell Valerie. I think that'd be crazy. But they both expected me to accept this apology. They expected me to accept this apology and pretend like it it, it didn't happen. Or if it happened, that the apology would absolve him of what he did. 
and it didn't. And I was so angry. And I was more angry at my dad because I thought, I, I, felt, I felt so let down. A lot of other things happened after that. My grandma was not well. She was, she had cancer, that's their mother, and she was in this very slow process of dying, and it was hard, and a long, I mean, long story short, basically, I, I ended up trying to make peace because I didn't want to cause more pain in the family. I, I wanted to fix it. So I went to him and I said, there are three conditions here, and here they are. Number one, you have to admit that you are a sexual predator. Number two, you have to go to therapy and you have to do it like now and regularly. And number three, you have to tell your girlfriend, who we had been with for like 10 years or 15 years at this point, and you have to tell her because I don't want to have to hold your secret. And if you do these things, then we can maybe get back to something that won't suck every time that we're at a family event but these are my conditions and he said okay and did none of them as a matter of fact they moved out of the city and moved to Arizona but not before throwing a massive I don't know pity party or whatever and telling my dad that he was going to run into traffic on Lakeshore Drive and get himself killed. And my dad talked him down from that by telling him that, you know, know, your mom is still alive and she's going to be so devastated if you do that. How could you do that to your mom? I, my mom begged me to go to therapy with him, to go to a session of therapy, which I did which was horrible. He spent the whole time telling these therapists what a terrible person I am. He told them that I was always a problem child. That when I was 13, my parents didn't know what to do with me. They didn't know how to handle me. They didn't know if they should send me away or what they should do. I was a mess and I was a liar. Thankfully, the therapist saw through it and didn't believe him because he had already admitted he had done this. So, like, what was he trying to get away with here? And then he did some, like, dramatic exit or something, and they were like, sit down. You're being ridiculous. Like, this is never going to get worked out, whatever. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why am I even here? Like, this is terrible. I'm just being, like, berated by him. And this was somebody I thought was, like, one of my biggest champions. So I, I felt lost so freaking lost and we left with no resolution and since then I've had to either endure him being at a family event or a certain thing or my wedding or my son's bris no acknowledgement no just my problem you know and I kept the secret for so long because I don't want to hurt my cousins, you know? Like, I feel like that's their dad. Like, that's not fair to them. This, it's killing me. And I'm tired of holding it in. And they're adults. 
and their dad is not okay. <laughs> He's not an okay person. And guaranteed if he did this to me, he did it to somebody else and has done it since. So, so yeah, John's haircut, it's been bothering me. I think the craziest thing is that I felt so sad because I lost someone I thought was this great person. And immediately, like within seconds, I had to realign all of my memories of this person that were good into this like, oh my god, how long has he been like thinking about me in this way like it like tainted every memory every interaction every nice experience into something so just ew so there's that to this day I am the one that loses out the whole family went on a went on a cruise or something this was years ago after this had happened and they they were part of it and I said if he's going I'm not and so my, I did not get to go on this family trip and I was actually told by one of the people that went that they barely saw him and I'm like it doesn't are you kidding me like I that doesn't help it was made it's been made to seem like I'm making a big deal out of this like what's the big deal and, and you know what, maybe some of you listening might think that, but it is a big deal. And I'm not okay from it. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of having to validate it or prove it. So when I tell my family, many of now, many who know that I'm not going to be at any event that he's at from this day forward, I am not joking. The last event that I had to go to where he was, was my mom's birthday. She begged me and I went and it was, I was, I was, I spent the whole, I spent the whole time just trying to not be in his like line of sight, having to dodge and go around other ways because I just, I just can't, I just couldn't deal with it. I, I just, he, I loathe him and I don't want him anywhere near my family. Like I had my sons there. I, I did not want him. I don't want him to know them. And I don't want to have him. I want to excise him out of my life right now. He hasn't earned a place here. And you know what? Maybe what has held me in this spot for so long is this idea that I've been weak for not being able to, you know, deal with this pain with this trigger with this experience I'm also really clear that if one of my friends told me this story and told me that they were being forced to sit at a dinner table with their with with someone who had done this to them I would be appalled I would not sit there thinking they were not strong I would be horrified for them that anyone would put them in that position especially if they knew like it's one thing if I had never told anybody and I just wasn't, like, enduring this alone. My whole family knows. My parents, my aunt, his ex-wife, the mother of my cousins, they all know. And it's just like, oh, well. Oh, well, Allie has an issue with him. Oh, well. Oh, it's no big deal. You know Allie. Dramatic Allie. Having another problem with another person. Allie, when are you going to grow up? Hmm. So... 
there's something about not feeling safe even in your own family, which is what it's been for me for a very long time. And it's crazy because my parents are great and I love them and they love me and I know that. They just didn't do this one right. So that's where we're at. I will be going into my next treatment on Tuesday and it'll be number five of six. I think we're going to do the same double dose thing. Um, I'm assuming she's going to bump it up a little higher just because they said that they kind of do that at every appointment. I know I dumped a whole bunch on you today and I hope that I know I was going to get pretty raw with you, but I didn't know I was going to tell you that whole story. So thank you for sticking with me. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate all of your support, friends. Okay. All right. I'm feeling sad. I have to say it out loud, right? I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling a little lost. And I'm feeling a little scared. But I'm also feeling a little relieved. Okay. Everybody take a deep breath. I know I need one. Let's just take it one day at a time, one minute at a time, sometimes one second at a time, and hang in there. Solidarity, my friends. I love you all.